And we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports, Pop Culture Cosmos, and also as well Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to our entire library of programs. It's been a great couple of weeks as far as podcast-wise. Not for society, not for us as a whole, because obviously the effects of the coronavirus. So I don't want to go – I want to put it in context. But for fans or listeners of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, I hope you've had – a chance to check out all the great episodes in recent times with especially focusing not only with our regular weekly episodes with Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net, but not one, not two, not but three great episodes right now coming up with my great guest that he's done now in the past couple weeks. Also great episodes with Michael Visenberg and also Scooter Hansen from draftsite.com and also Michael Visenberg as well on the NBA draft. Great interviews indeed, but this next guest is coming back for his third time around. I just cannot thank him enough for doing so. He has such great insight, and I look forward to every time I speak to him. He's from NBADraftJunkies.com, but also you got to check out his great YouTube page where he has detailed breakdowns, and I've been getting a lot of my knowledge from those breakdowns indeed. It is Rafael Barlow. Rafael, thanks for coming back. I hope you're not tired of me, man. No, I'm. This is fun for me. This is, I'm enjoying it. Like I said, any any time you want me on, uh, I'll be on. Okay. Did you catch those amusing horse games? Because I was going to talk about this with Laker Tom, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. we ran out of time. So, did you catch those amusing horse games, or did you think I it was about a bunch of horse? You know, you fill in the blank. I I did get to watch it. Well, I said I had it on the TV. um, you know just doing stuff on the computer but it was on i actually tweeted the first thing i saw or that i noticed was trey young's rim is crooked (laughs) it was it looked like it was sloped down it looks like somebody's been uh, holding on to it too long yeah it looked like the average adjustable rim in front of someone's house that has a lot of kids that shot on a lot and someone's been dunking and hanging on it on eight and a half feet, and then they raise it up to 10 to shoot. So it looks like the driveway, it looks like the the rim at my parents' house back home. Maybe it's Trey dunking on there because he doesn't get a lot of dunks in, in the real NBA. <laughs> or his little brother lowering it down so he can um, do his Vince Carter impersonations. There you go. There you go. Now that Vince Carter may no longer be a part of the NBA, that's, and that's a shame because he, he's had such a great career. I hope that there will be actually some – finality to the season and that's something i talked about with laker tom about possible what the nba is mulling over with a 25 day training camp type deal but for someone in the case as vince carter we'd love to see at least three four or five more games of his greatness obviously he's not the player he once was but just to see him on the floor to you know so he can get that least kind of television recognition that he deserves yeah, I, I want to say I read that he said he may come back next year if, if the season is – I could be wrong, but if the season is – Possibility. Yeah, I thought I read it somewhere. Because it would be truncated. It would be a truncated season. It's not. I don't think it will be a full 82-game season. It's my guess anyways mm-hmm. because it would start, what, November, December at the earliest, and if that's the case, seeing it span out. Uh, my guess is that wouldn't be uh, you know 18, although, you know, as you and I both know – money dictates all and and that's the probably the reason why you're seeing the thought of these bad teams finishing out to at least to get to 70 games 
is because of money. And if, if we get another year of Vince Carter, I think that would be great. We'll have to wait and see how that works out. But yeah, his his Hall of Fame slot is there waiting for him whenever he's ready. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, kind of makes me feel old because this generation of players that are going to the Hall of Fame are just not retiring are the guys that I followed in high school and saw their McDonald's games. And I remember reading about them on in Street and Smiths and all the basketball magazines because this is my age group. So it feels weird knowing that guys that I remember from the 95, 96, even 94 McDonald's games, even like 98, 99 are now going to be Hall of Famers. So it's just kind of gives me a reality check about my age here. So let's say Vince Carter, VC, Vince Sanity, you know, retires in five mm -hmm. years, he's going to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. And this is an inside basketball question, but I, I think you would know this. Would Frederick Weiss be the one that goes ahead and inducts him in? Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about that, you know. I, I thought you were going to ask me which team, which, which. Uh, well, that's another good question, but team. I thought the Frederick Weiss one would be better. Yeah, you caught me off guard with that. Wasn't he like the 14th pick in the draft? And he just, Vince ended his career. He never came over because. He never overcame Yeah, he would. Yeah. I I don't blame him for, for not coming over after that. I, I hear that. I mean, uh, New York Knicks, one of the many New York Knicks uh, hopes of glory uh, was right there with him. I, I, can, I remember that fondly. Uh, you know, I, I thought, oh yeah, he's he's a great center. Could be, could really something special. And then, VC destroyed him, and that was that. That was what, two thousand Olympics in Sydney. I think so. Yeah. So if yeah. I remember, so it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going on the wayback machine there, but my friend, this is here and now when it comes to the NBA draft. One of the things I wanted to talk to you first off is a name we haven't approached. And I haven't approached with any of the guests on the NBA draft. That's Michael. That was Stone Hansen. Uh, you know, none of them, not even you last week. And that was this Cole Anthony, the son mm -hmm. of Greg Anthony, a very good point guard who played in the NBA. Cole Anthony came in to this NCAA basketball season with a lot of hype. Mm -hmm. He was really ranked high up there. In fact, I thought I'll, I saw in some circles that he was being considered for the number one slot in the NBA draft at that time. He was he was in that running, per se, I should say. Right. I, he did not have the season, and neither did the Tar Heels, although you're not going to hear anybody else crying that's not a Tar Heel fan right now, about them having a horrible season. And he had a, I guess you could probably say as well, a horrible season, injured a good portion of the season, but never really developed to the point where you had expected of that. He did declare for the draft, and he's right now still, even with the bad season that he had, is still projected somewhere in the lottery. I mm -hmm. want to hear your thoughts on Cole Anthony and his expectations that you had coming into the season for him and where he sits now as we head into later in the summer, later in the year, the NBA draft. Well, coming into the season, I, I had him as a at least a top 10 to 12 pick. He was a guy that I thought was more so of an aggressive scorer as opposed to pure point guard. I thought he needed to show this year that he could, um, you know, get guys involved, win some games. And um, 
just become a better playmaker. And honestly, when I watch his film, I see Austin Rivers. I see, you know, another version of Austin Rivers, an aggressive, aggressive scorer. He may have a little bit better point guard skills than, than Rivers, but I, in my opinion, I see him as a guy that's going to have a, a long NBA career. But I think he's someone that will maybe need to be like a six man that comes off the bench. And I don't see him as a full-time point guard. I think he's just a guy that his he's he'll be best suited for a role as just someone that can come in and and get you buckets and be a secondary playmaker. That's what I wanted to ask and see what the development is on him and see what the word is on him because I get that measure that and he felt like at when he started playing it looked like he felt like he had to do everything I should say and. It looked like he was doing too much and he wasn't uh, providing a good foundation for the team as your point guard. It looked like he was just going ahead and trying to take all the shots and get all the shots because he felt he had to because his team was always down, which mm -hmm. can happen when you're on a losing team. You feel like more weight and pressure is put on you, so you're doing things that you're not necessarily should be doing that's in the best interest of your team. Yeah, he's, he's definitely aggressive and he's definitely score – first and second. I just felt like he was just a little out of control and, and he's more of a one-on-one a -on -one player than than a balanced point guard. And which in today's NBA you have a lot of point guards that are that are doing a lot of scoring. So he he is he does need to like improve on as far as getting other guys involved, which is like I say you can say for a lot of the guards. But for me it just seems like he has tunnel vision and he score, 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 which is why I think that he reminds me of like an Austin Rivers. And I think he's a, a secondary playmaker going forward. How, how do you think he is defensively or how do you think he can translate into the league defensively? Well, I know like, you know, when you look at the measurables, I guess he doesn't have like this freakish wingspan and he doesn't have great physical tools as far as length. But I think that with his aggressive mentality, if he can apply it to to being a good defender, I think he can be. Okay. That's that's what I wanted to ask you because I'm getting a real gauge off that. And from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is, and, and what I've seen on tape of him, I think he can be a decent defensive guard. Although, mm -hmm. you know, really, is it really – how good is a good defensive guard in the league? You know, with all the guards – you can get like, for instance, I'll, I'll use the Alex Caruso, like what I was talking about with Laker Tom, because we went into an extensive conversation on Alex Caruso. And that is, he's considered a good defensive guard. He's considered one of the better, statistically, one of the better defensive mm -hmm. guards league. But how really good is a defensive guard in the league when you see all these guards, like for instance, Russell Westbrook, it's so hard to keep him in front of you. Yeah. You know, any of these guards, Trey Young, it's so hard to keep, especially if they're running pick and rolls, things of that nature. So uh, to the extent is I think more when it comes to a guard, I think more of team defensive standpoint. Like mm -hmm. we, we talked about LiAngelo Ball. We, we need to talk about his brother, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, one of his best traits is off the ball defensively. I really mm -hmm. thought when he's developing that part of it, not man-to-man -man on the ball per se, I'm talking about, okay, 
I'm able to go ahead and I'm playing my man, but I'm taking the, I'm looking at what's going on. I, I can go ahead and steal that ball from the guy that has it right there. Or I, I, I know where that pass is going to go and things of that nature. Those are some of the things that I think Alonzo does well. And those are some of the things I think that these guards that are coming into the league need to develop more than just on the ball, man to man, because as you know, a lot of it's screen and roll these days. So team defensive, as far as, what are you going to do after you get that pick to me is just as important as that on the ball mentality. Yeah, it's definitely a mentality as um, I think Drew Holiday is the, the best in my opinion, off the top of my head, that does a good job of mixing offense and defense. He gets a lot of steals. Yeah. And, but he's just, he refuses to be screened and he, he plays defense with, with this attitude. I mean, we all know Patrick Beverly is, I mean that's that's what his that's what he brings to the table, but he doesn't have a lot of responsibility on offense, so he can devote the majority of his energy on the defensive end, and that's why I said Holiday is the one to me, just off the top of my head, that does a good job of combining both as far as offensive responsibility and being an aggressive defender as far as guards. I think I like Frank Nilkina from the Knicks, but again, he doesn't have a lot of responsibility on 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 offense at this at this stage of his career so i, I, I think he has to develop at least a competent game in order to go ahead and stick in the league and that's the problem or at least go to find a team that can use his skills a lot better yeah if he's a secondary playmaker i think you put him next to a drew holiday or next to um you know another guard at, at the point or at the two that can be the main playmaker i think he becomes more valuable but right now and frank is so young still i mean i think he may just have turned 21 so he's still pretty young but defensively is where he's going to to earn his money offensively if he can build that game up that's where he'll be able to you know end up that determine whether he's a starter going forward we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And that's something else I want to talk about is that guard position. I mean, we talked about Cole Anthony and his prospects mm-hmm. in the league and the fact that if he develops a better playmaking mentality, you know, that could be something that would benefit him greatly as he steps into the league. Nico Mannion is someone who we also didn't talk about from Arizona. He declared he's heading into the draft. He's someone that is also thought of in the teens. Uh, I see him primarily on your draft board and a lot of other draft boards. 
in the teens thereabout as far as uh, right around there. So I want to hear your thoughts on Nico Mannion uh, overall. Uh, do you think he's going to make an impression league? And where do you think he'd be as far as a, a good fit for his skills? I liked him a lot coming into, into this season. I don't think he had the season that I expected him to have, and this is why he's kind of dropped off a little bit. I want to say come before the season started, I had him as a top 10 pick also. Actually, you um, have him at number eight, so I do want to make yeah. it there. Yeah, so right now I don't have him at number eight. I think his value dropped. Um, he didn't shoot the ball as well as I, I thought he would, but I like him because I think that he can – He's a good passer. He can make, he makes good decisions. As far as him not being athletic, it's, it's funny because you see that a lot on draft boards. He's not athletic. But he had one of the best dunks this year I've seen from all, out of all the point guard prospects. It was early in the season, and I, I want to say it may have been one of the – in the non-conference games, but he had a play where he drove down the lane, had momentum, and he took off and one-hand dunk. And – he might he's he's a sneaky athlete, I should say that. May not be like Caruso level sneaky, but he's a guy that he is a pretty sneaky athlete and he can make a play above the rim if he has uh if he has a good runway. So funny that we're talking about Alex Caruso as the standard as far as that type of player is concerned. So funny. Oh yeah, he's nobody expects him to be as athletic as he is. I mean, I guess he just doesn't pass the eye test of the physical profile of when you think of explosive athlete around the rim. Oh, you don't. <laughs> Nico's not on that level, but but he is a he is a pretty a pretty decent athlete. But I like him because I think that he can play on and off the ball, and he I like how he's always moving. So he's he's kind of a guy like you know he'll pass the ball, and he just doesn't stand in the corner, and then you have to respect him as a shooter. I've actually seen some comparisons to him and Devontae Graham just based off of how they play. And, I mean, Graham shot better at Kansas than Nico did his um, one year at Arizona. But And Devontae had a very successful second year in the league. So if that comparison is accurate, then I think Nico would definitely be a steal in the teams for a team. I've seen him in some Pac-12 action. I think he, he could be someone that can develop for you. But, again, it gets to the point where this draft overall, I'm not seeing any stars. I don't think you're seeing any stars right now. No one's sticking out, per se. I see the potential for a lot of good quality role players, and I think that's what this draft will end up doing. Do you concur with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think there's a surefire number one pick who you – who you say, well, you throw him in our starting lineup, he's going to be able to come in and average 20 points a game as a, a rookie. And, I mean, this is a wild card draft. I mean, I don't think we've seen anything like this since maybe 2013. Well, where on draft night, we have no idea who will be the number one pick. But then I think if you look at the 13 draft, Giannis came out of that draft. He was in the um, teens, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I want to say 15, right outside of the lottery. There was someone else from that draft that I can't think of that turned into an all-star. Is it Rudy Gobert? Was Rudy in that draft? If that was the case, he was in the late 20s, if I remember correctly. Yep. So you got well, Oladipo became an all-star. CJ McCollum, is, he's not an all-star, but he's – Oh, yeah, Rudy. 
So yeah, Rudy. So yeah, that draft. I mean, Bennett was number one. Oladipo went number two. But between Gobert, Giannis, and um, CJ McCollum, you got four really good players out of that draft. Stephen Adams is. I mean, he's he's more so of a, a complimentary player. But that 2013 draft, it, it didn't. People going into it did not expect this kind of quality talent. So we yeah. that, again for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think someone like. Jaden McDaniels has the the potential to to blow up and become a star. He has the he has the physical tools, and there's not many guys at his size with the skill set that he has. So he's someone that I think is that could break out and end up being a star. But he could also end up being, you know, just another average role player. It's, it's such a crapshoot. I think a lot of general managers or front office execs, they're, this is a make or break draft for them in a sense, because if they can get one of these picks right, it's going to buy them longevity. If they get it wrong, then they'll, they'll probably, it probably won't make much of a difference, but you select right and, and one guy develops into an all-star or high-level starter, I think that it, it can make your career. I agree with you on that assessment. Mm -hmm. With McDaniels, as you were talking about, he's someone that, again, someone that we haven't approached yet on any of the podcasts, and that is Jade McDaniels out of Washington. Mm -hmm. He reminds me a little, and I'm saying a little, of Brandon Ingram as far as body type. Tall, lanky, very thin, needs to add size, but very skilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I the comparison to me is spot on. Ingram was a better shooter at Duke, but if if I'm a team and I see how Brandon Ingram developed, I'm I'm going to take a gamble on McDaniel's. Now, one of the things that was always consistent about Ingram was his work ethic and how hard he, you know, how much time he puts in the gym, how hard he works, and how he he's just a, a basketball guy, solely focused on basketball, which I think that has has been a has played a major role in his growth from his second year to his third year. If, if McDaniels has that type of mindset and that personality, I don't see why he he can't have an Ingram-like trajectory. Well, let's hope that's the case because Brandon Ingram has broke out, as I think many people were expecting, because he just wasn't that great a fit with LeBron. With LeBron, you're either a fit or you're not. And, and mm-hmm. it was apparent that he wasn't going to be a great fit with LeBron and he needed to go ahead and branch out on his own. And you see the the way he's played and performed for uh, New Orleans and he's going to be a free agent uh, this coming whenever off season. So hopefully he'll get a chance to catch it. Although at this point now, everybody's deciding on how they're going to be able to approach the free agent status because with in case of him, He's probably just going to have to go on a one and a one and one. He's not going to be able to sign a full five year because those those max contracts, because the way the salary cap will be structured, those will not be those options probably won't be there. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's kind of sad for him, especially considering that he had put himself in position to get at least one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy million dollars, and now with this with the China fallout and all the millions and millions that have been lost with this season, there's no telling what a five-year max is going to be for him. He he definitely lost quite a bit of money due to, you know, the, po- the postponement of the season and, and the fact that fans won't be able to come to the games. Absolutely. Just something that I feel very bad for the kid. Uh, but again, 
if he continues on this progression, at some point in time, he's still very young. So at some point in time, if he waits two, maybe uh, maybe three off seasons, he can go ahead and collect that big paycheck and that big contract, and he'll still be young enough to go ahead and uh, be able to capitalize on it. So I'm hopeful for him because, again, he's worked hard to be where he's at. So I give him all the props, even though he's no longer a Laker. But that wasn't my choice. You know, obviously there were reasons, and AD is, you know, that's fine. I'll take the trade off. That was a win for, for both teams, in my opinion. Yes, yes, uh, exactly, for both teams. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. For the last part of this podcast, I wanted to ask you about some of the new entries, uh, per se. And I, I won't go on too much of, of some because you're going to go ahead and do some extended research on some of them. But there was an overall theme when I was talking about these recent players that have decided to go ahead and throw their name into the draft. And, you know, I, whether I go on with Devon Dotson from Kansas or whether you want to go ahead and talk about Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky or you even want to talk about Kerry from Duke or Green from Arizona, another Arizona individual that is putting his name in the hat, Alexander from Creighton, Watford from LSU, or even the Greek guard, Georgios Kalitsikas. You know, especially someone like that who is not exactly ranked very high. I mean, you said you needed a lot more tape on him to really evaluate him. He's projected right now at the very back end of a top 100. And let's start off with a general theme before we touch on any of these players. And that's the thing is some of these players that are in there, they're in the high 60s, high 70s, back end of the second round projected, and undrafted in the case of the Greek player that just announced. So I ask you, my friend, what is going on with the mindset of these players? I mean, if they're not getting an agent, that's okay. They're just testing the waters because – they could prove out to be okay. They're not ranked high now, but they could be ranked higher draft buzz or a team may fall in love with them, et cetera, et cetera. But with some of the mindset with these players, it's not like that they don't have access to the internet and they, you know, have a, could have a general idea of exactly where they stand. Well, one, I think as far as some of the American players, I can't say for all of them, some just don't like school. They do not want to go to school anymore and they're ready to just get their professional career on by them entering their name in the draft teams are going to have to do their due diligence and look at the guy and and maybe not this year but years past maybe bring them in for a workout and they can you know get their name out there and then some may go back to school um i want to say peyton pritchard did that last year the kid from oregon and he came back and had a a good year this year so i think if i were if i were an agent or if i were a college player. And if I felt like my name was strong enough to get me into the top 100 on an ESPN list, then I would definitely declare just to try to get my better feedback and get a few workouts and see where I stack up against other players in a workout. And then I would come back if I liked school. If I didn't like school, then I would just try to go on and 
see if I can stick with a, a G League team or, or start my career professionally overseas. But that's and that's something I wanted to ask. I mean, because some of these kids are making real mistakes. Case of ones that are just you could see that they're going to go undrafted, but mm-hmm. in their mind they don't think they're going to go undrafted. And there's you could just tell that there's a lot of people buzzing in their ear about how great they are, how great they are, and then you see it fall off from there. And that to me is kind of concerning because these are 18, 19 year old kids that are making these life changing decisions. And yes, you're right. They may not like school, but at least that's an option for them. Yeah. I mean, like there are guys, if you go to the G league and I want to say the G league, I get the numbers confused, but I think it's about $35,000 for the year. So that could be, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it's either 7,000 a month or around $5,000 a month. And so for some kids, you're like, even if it's 5000 if you tell them you can go make $5,000 a month playing in the G League and all you have to do is play. For some, that's a better option than playing in college. Now, you won't get to play in front of the large crowds. Your travel is going to be different. You're going to take a step down if you go to one of these Power 5 schools. But just the fact that they get to just play basketball and every G League player and I've spent like four or five years working in the G League every G League player feels they are close to a 10-day contract so I think that is the mindset of some of the players and then with the two-way contracts now you don't even have to be drafted and you can get a two-way and if you get a two-way contract I think it's like $75,000 for the year so you can spend that whole season developing and you can make a little bit more money if you travel with the with the NBA team and depending on the day. So I think two-way contracts has made it even a better situation for some guys if you don't get drafted because you may get to pick the situation that is best for you. Those two-way contracts I think was one of the best ideas I've seen in recent times for the NBA. I think it's really worked out for the best. I hate to say we go back to it, but Alex Caruso is a shining example of that. I mean, amongst mm-hmm. uh, Lakers fans out there. But yes, two-way contracts, I think, has been a godsend for a lot of these players that are on the fringes of the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's helped those guys out, but it's hurt like older veteran players. Like if you look at this past season, how many true 10-day contracts were there? I mean, when teams already have two guys on two ways, they don't necessarily need to call a player from the G League on a 10-day contract because they can just call up one of their two-way guys. I mean, Noah was a 10-day guy. That He wasn't a real, you know, typical 10-day contract guy. Um, I know um, Jared Utah for he, – he was with Memphis, and he was with the Grizzlies G League team. He, he ended up getting a, a 10-day contract. I want to say the Cavaliers had one guy. And off the top of my head, I can't think of – that many 10-day deals this year, as opposed to like in years past, teams are shuffling guys in and out for 10 days. But right now, if you're not a two-way player and you're in the G League, it may be tough for you to actually get a 10-day contract. So it's helped, it's helped some of the younger guys that don't get drafted, but it's hurt that 25, 26-year-old player that's in the G League. And that's something I wanted to finalize this conversation with uh, before we get to the players themselves real quick. Mm-hmm. And that is, this is a, as you even said before we went on the, the show, because of the coronavirus, this is a weird year when it concerns mm-hmm. the whole NBA and, 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 and all that. And 
you know, uh, these kids are making life-changing decisions. And let's say one of these kids, they hear wrong advice, hear bad advice, and they get an agent and they go through the process and they're undrafted and they're really remorseful about that. I know the NCA would just turn a blind eye under normal circumstances. Is there a chance that, or do you think that this year, above any year that the NCA could go ahead and dealing with the NCA is, is just, that's asking for something, but do you think of any years that the NCA should go out of the way to say, you know what, to these NFL players or, or that don't get drafted in the NFL draft or the NBA draft or any of these players at all that don't get drafted, period, even the WNBA, let's say, for as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a possibility that they should go ahead and, and steer their way clear and just say, you know what, for one year only, for one time only, we should go ahead and say, hey, you made a mistake. We're going to go ahead and give you this one chance and one option only because we know the times are different than any other. I don't think they will simply because the majority of the season was played. The guys may have missed the conference tournaments or the NCAA tournament. Now, maybe if this happened in early January, I think so. But I think for right now, I don't, I don't know if they'll do that because I thought I want to say like everybody that plays in spring sports will be able to come back and play next year but the winter sports didn't get their eligibility. I don't, I don't know the word, not renewed, but they aren't eligible to come back next year. So I can't see them doing the same thing as far as like with the prospect. It makes sense. I think it would be the right thing to do, but I just don't see it happening. <laughs> the NCAA and the right thing don't usually go hand in hand a lot. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think they will do it. I think they should do it. And morally, they should do it, but again, they never live off their morals, but need I digress. But about these uh, players that declared over the weekend, I wanted to just, I know you're going to be able to do some extra research, so we'll probably get more information on them in the coming times that I talk to you. But is there any that stick out to you amongst this group? And that's, again, Dotson from Kansas, Quickly from Kentucky, the LSU freshman Watford, Again, the Greek guard, I'm not going to say his name again because I'm going to butcher it. Duke's leading scorer, Carey, and then Arizona's green. I mean, any of these names, think they? you think that any of them can stick out in the NBA draft? Yeah, I think for these guys, especially, I don't see any of them being a lottery pick. I think it would, it would be based off of fit. Josh Green from Arizona could potentially slide at the back end of the lottery. Dotson, I like Dotson. I like his speed. I, I like him as a, I think he'll have a long career as a, a third point guard. Um, quickly, if you look at his numbers on paper, you you wonder why he's not ranked higher on a lot of draft boards. And he's someone that I'm going to have to take another look and, and take a, a deeper dive into his game to come up with a full assessment. But on paper, I mean, you look at what he shot from three and his free throw percentage, he's, he looks, and, and then he averaged 18 points a game. He was Kentucky's best player. This season, he may not have been their best NBA prospect, but he was he was their best player on the floor. So I like him. The guy that I'm kind of iffy on is Watford. Now, if I were him, I definitely would have declared just to throw my name out there. I didn't see if he hired an agent or not. He's skilled, but he's 
he's just so slow. Like he just moves at this really slow pace. Another Kyle Anderson in the making? But I think Kyle Anderson was so slow that it worked in his advantage because I, I remember watching him play pickup. I want to say it was the year coming out. It might have been going to his rookie year. I was fortunate enough to be invited to Carmelo Anthony had this pro week where he invited a few of his friends to come play pickup with him. And since Anderson was from the area in New York City, he was there. And, you know, it was like J.R. Smith, Kevin Durant came for a day. Um, Nerlens Noel was there, Kimba Walker. And Anderson was so slow that they had a hard time defending him because, you know, they would try to jump to the spot. But by the time they, when they jumped to the spot, he wasn't even there yet. <laughs> and it allowed him to get his jumper off. And anyway, long story short, Anderson is crafty with his lack of speed or burst. Watford, he's going to be more of a, a four I see him as a four, maybe a little three, maybe small ball five. He's definitely skilled, but he's just he's a below the rim finisher. And I think he's a guy that if he does get drafted, which I'm I'm pretty sure he will, he's a guy that I think spends the whole year in the G League. Fair enough. That's some great assessment right there for you. From Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You gotta check out his site, NBADraftJunkies.com, plus also Go in deep into his YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies, where you're going to get not just a, you know an array of talent that's there for you as far as the videos and breakdowns, but you will get extensive looks at some of the major individuals that are going to be involved in the NBA Draft, but also some of the players who could get some buzz, sleepers, and so much more. you got to check it out today, NBA Draft Junkies. Follow it, subscribe to it, and then also just check out his page when he's got more great things going on there. And in fact, that's what I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and exit out on before we go ahead and head on out. And that is this. Rafi, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've got such great things going on there. I mean, can you give the fans and listeners and out there and people that follow you an update what's going on with NBA Draft Junkies? Right now, I'm, I'm continuously adding content to my YouTube channel and the site. I'm working on my, um, my lottery pick. I'll probably do that first. Well, based off the, the standings on Tankathon, I'll come up with a list of the players that I, I have in my top 14 based off of fit. I just put up a strengths and areas of improvement video for Precious Achua today. So that's on YouTube. Uh, I have to add it to the website once we get off this podcast. And then uh, my brother is someone that was working with me the first couple of years I did the site. And since we all have free time now, I'll probably create some content with him where we'll, you know, we're two brothers, so we're going to agree on a lot of things, but we're going to have our disagreements. So I, I, I plan to have a podcast of us going through our favorite players, what we like about them, what we don't like or areas that we think they should improve on. So it, it's probably going to be entertaining simply the fact that it's just two brothers that are going to be going at it on about – you know, how we feel about different prospects. So I think that could be entertaining for for some. It'll be entertaining for me, I can say the least. Just just listening to YouTube, going back and forth on my headphones, going back with you on the left and he on the right or vice versa, that'll be just awesome to hear. And I'm looking forward to that whenever you go ahead and, t- and do that with him, sit down with him. It's great to see that your brother's going to be back in 
somewhat of the fold being able to, to help you out with this because it's such a great site and a great experience at NBA Draft Junkies. And if anybody has any questions for you, that's something I haven't even brought up before, and I apologize for doing that. How can people best get a hold of you at NBA Draft Junkies? I have a YouTube channel. So all you have to do is type in NBA Draft Junkies, and then if there's a, a comment on a player, I would be able to to see that. My email address, you can actually email me, and it's Raphael, R-A-F-A-E-L, at NBADraftJunkies.com. I, I check that, and then uh, I'm also on Twitter, and my Twitter handle, uh, my personal one is Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E, 500. And you can send me a DM. You can ask me a question there. And then on my videos, I even have like my Instagram. You can send me a question on Instagram. I've actually had people request videos on, you know, a prospect that they like or someone they know on Instagram. So there's multiple ways to reach me. And um, I think I do a pretty good job of giving back to people. Well, I've got a request. And that's something I'm going to be looking into. And that is Kentucky's Emmanuel Quickly. Mm-hmm. I want to know, I want your insight on why he's not thought of so greatly as someone who scored a decent amount, played a decent amount for a top-level team, for a team in the SEC that is shooting almost 50% from the three-point area, over 90% on the free-throw area, but yet is not as well thought of right now in, in within the confines. Not right now, but could be, but not well thought of right now. He was talking. We were talking about earlier about some of those prospects that are on the fringes of even being undrafted, and he would fit in that mix if you looked at the numbers right now from all these experts that are out there. So I want to hear your thoughts on him, and of course some of the other great players that are out there that are in the NBA draft next time we talk. But yeah, definitely something that intrigues me because if shooting is such a premium, I want to hear how detrimental everything else in this game to offset that for the cause of why he's not thought of so well. So that's something I wanted to go ahead and ask you on. Well, I think he may be more than any player that I can think of has been negatively impacted by the lack of a conference tournament and NCAA tournament. He was finishing the season. I mean, the way he finished the season was strong. I think they had a, Hayes had missed a few games and Ashton Hagen's another guard from Kentucky who's actually on some draft boards. But I think once Kentucky was able to, I mean, they were kind of redundant as far as guards. They had too many guys that I felt like were point guards or, or needed the ball in their hands. Once they eliminated one of those players quickly, I mean, he, he stood out. And so I think if he would have been able to play in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, I think that he could have easily shot up on a lot of draft boards and, and kind of made a real name for himself. He, he had a big name coming into college. And then, I mean, you know how it is nowadays. If you don't leave as a freshman, then people think there's something wrong with you, especially if you were like a McDonald's All-American or, or such a high-rated um, prospect coming in. So, but I, I definitely think that if he would have continued the pace that he was playing in the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament, I think he would have, definitely put himself in position to be at least a first round pick at the minimum. So you tell me, I mean, whenever you're ready to talk about Emmanuel quickly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on him and see if he can, like you said, 
is your first initial eye test correct and that he's someone that could with more tape and more evaluation could sneak up some draft boards or is his initial thoughts or initial prospects that people have out there for him correct and that he has so much other things in his game that are detrimental to him that the development would be there so i want to hear your thoughts on that hopefully down the road uh and obviously other players as well that are they're kind of those sleepers out there. I'd love to hear the talk about the sleepers as well as the top projects and the top prospects in the draft. So always, anytime I get a chance to talk to you about the NBA or the NBA draft, I truly appreciate it. I just welcome it. And I'm looking forward to hearing your brother going back and forth on NBA prospects. Well, do yeah, I think we're going to record that tonight. He has a daughter that's three years old, so you got to make sure that she's asleep because uh, <laughs> she she loves her attention from her dad. So you got to make sure that that we can record it while she's she doesn't end up making an appearance on the podcast. Well, as someone who has two daughters himself, I, I know that's a very blessed thing. So I agree with you on that. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. But I'm also looking forward to having you back on the show whenever it's convenient for you. Just so great to talk to you, my friend. Again, it's Rafael Barlow. You got to check out all the great stuff that he's doing today. NBA Draft Junkies. Can't get much simpler than that. Thank well, you so much. Well, it's just been great having you on, as always. Looking forward to our next time we get to speak again right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.